Hello listeners, this is Lisa DeLay, and you are listening to the Spark My Muse podcast. This is Soul School, Lesson 125, The Essential Threes. Today on Soul School, I'm going to be sharing from the work of Christine Waltner's Paintner and her work, The Soul's Slow Ripening, 12 Celtic Practices for Seeking the Sacred. She will be my guest on a future episode, but I've been finding her work so profound so useful and so meaningful, I decided that I would take some time to share a little bit from this book today. This comes from chapter 12. It's a Celtic practice that she reveals in the book, the practice of three essential things. I'm going to read a few snatches from here and there in this chapter and reflect on it a bit and see if we can't make this part of some of our spiritual life and some of our way of being in the world that might help us, might nourish our lives in some way. On page 143, Christine says, Three is a sacred number in the Celtic tradition, and often the saints were said to have expressed their own desires or commitments in terms of the number three. Saint Columcill of Iona asked God for three things, virginity, wisdom, and pilgrimage while St. Ida of Kilidi is said to have focused on faith, simplicity, and generosity. The desert monks also love to gather principles to live by in threes. Here are two of their sayings around this. Abba Andrew said, These three things are appropriate for a monk, exile, poverty, and endurance in silence. As he was dying, Abba Benjamin said to his sons, If you observe the following, you can be saved. Be joyful at all times, pray without ceasing, and give thanks for all things. Those really echo what the Apostle Paul says in his letters. And it is true that three keeps things simple. Three in Celtic tradition is representative, of course, of the Trinity, pre Christian practices, and beliefs. Three reflected a perfect number. And so as the Trinity was introduced to these people in Ireland and the Celtic people, it easily became part of something they grasped onto very solidly. Keeping only three things in mind can be very useful to us as we set a rule for our day or for a month or for a week or maybe for our year. And as we enter into this new season of spring, where I am right now as I'm recording this, maybe not as you're listening to it, but it is just becoming spring where I am right now. And sometimes I'd like to set a new intention. I'm going to be considering three things that I want to focus on. And that really is a great way to keep my focus and attention and actions centered in a helpful way. Christine continues on page 143. Each is a variation on the three essential things one must do in life. I love that they come in threes, as three is a number which helps us break past dualities. We tend to view life in either-or, black-or-white dichotomies. When the third possibility enters, 
we are invited to hold the complexity and mystery of life and realize that life is so much vaster. Franciscan priest Richard Rohr describes this as the third eye of the mystics, which moves us into non-dualistic thinking. Three is, of course, the number of the Trinity. I like how she says that three invites us to more. We tend to think of things as good or bad, as problematic or windfalls, and usually there is a third way, at least one more way of looking at something. And we can tend to forget that unless we insert something extra in. I'm going to move to page 146 and talk about St. Ida. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. I don't know Celtic pronunciations very well, so I ask your forgiveness, and I apologize if I'm pronouncing it incorrectly. St. Ida and the Three Stones Ida was a 6th century Irish saint and is the second most significant woman saint in Ireland after Bridget. Her name, Ida, means thirst. She established a church in Limerick called Kilidi, which means Church of Ida. When Ida was young, she received a dream in which she was gifted three precious stones. She was unsure as to its meaning and pondered it. Later, in another visitation, it was revealed to her that throughout her life she would receive many dreams and visions, and the three stones represented the gifts of the Trinity coming to her. I love this affirmation of the multitude that God is as well. When she was older, Ida prayed for a place to found her, monet, her monastery and was again shown her direction in a dream. She was told to leave her native land and come to a new place at the foot of a hill. At the monastery Ida founded, many young people were sent her way for education and she became a teacher to St. Brendan, who would later go on his great voyage. She told her students to follow the rule of the saints of Ireland because she felt strongly about the Celtic value of soul friends and saw those across the veil as guides as well. St. Brendan once asked Ida, what were the three things most pleasing and displeasing to God? She replied that what pleased God were true faith in God with a pure heart, a simple life, with a grateful spirit, and generosity inspired by charity. What was most, most displeasing were a mouth that hates people, a heart harboring resentments, and confidence in wealth. Call upon St. Ida to help you discern what the three essential things in this season of your life are. Moving to page 152. It reads, this poem is inspired by the story of Ida's three stones. As you read it, consider, what have you endured, treasured, sparked? What have you hidden away and made visible? What will you carry forth with you? Dreaming of Stones In the world before waking, I met a winged one, feathered, untethered, who pressed in my palm three precious stones. Like St. Ida in her dream, but similarities end there. Her with saintliness and certainty, me asking questions in the dark. All I know is, I am not crafted from patience of rock or gravity of earth, 
nor flow of river. I am not otter with her hours devoted to play. I am none of these, at least not yet. The stones will still be singing, centuries from now, made smooth by all kinds of weather. If I strike them together, they spark and kindle. Do I store them as treasures to secretly admire on storm-soaked days, or wear them as an amulet around my neck? When the angel returns to me in the harsh truth of last morning, will she ask, what have I endured, treasured, and sparked? Will she ask, what have I hidden away, and what made visible? Finally, I'm going to read something about Lexio Divina. Lexio Divina means sacred reading, and this is a devotional practice hundreds and hundreds of years old that monks would do as a devotional practice that involved reading, usually a verse or two of scripture. It could also be a devotional writing penned by someone who had a heart for God. And they would read this several times over, usually out loud. Sometimes it's done in a group out loud. And then there's four movements of this practice, Lexio Divina. The way Christine writes about it in a uniquely Celtic way, her way is very unique and instructive. And I thought you would get a lot out of it. I'm very grateful that I found this in her book. And I think you will really enjoy this. If you'd like to learn more about Lexia Novena, you can always go to the articles that I've written about it at my website, sparkmymuse.com. In the search field, you can write Lexio Divina, spelled L-E-C-T-O-D-I-V-I-N-A. Lexio Divina is a spiritual devotional practice and prayer that readies the heart for God's work and the movement of the Spirit. On page 161, Christine writes, The first movement of Lexio Divina as settling and shimmering. This is a new way that I've heard it described, and I really enjoy how she puts it down here. Begin by finding a comfortable position where you can remain alert, and yet also relax your body. Bring attention to your breath, and allow a few moments to become centered. I'm going to stop here and just add my own note and reflection is that sometimes we rush into devotional practices or prayer, like something we need to check off our list or dutifully accomplish. And we need to remember that doing devotional practices or accomplishing things like scripture reading and prayer is for our own good and for our enjoyment. And so calming our body down and being in a restful space and centering our breath and calming down is so that we can have more enjoyment during this time. It's a great idea to rest your mind and your body and get comfortable. If you find yourself distracted at any time, gently return to the rhythm of your breath as an anchor for your awareness. Allow yourself to settle into this moment and become fully present. I'm going to say again, just interrupt the book again, and just say that as we tune ourselves in to listening to God and attune our bodies, our breath, our mind, our soul, and our spirit to be focused on God and the spirit, we are directing our listening, the ear of our heart, we could say. And this takes training, and we might be very restless 
and even agitated at first. But the discipline of readying our hearts and being good listeners to God has to do with practice. So if you find yourself not able to do this at first, you're in good company with most beginners. Keep at it and make this practice something that is habitual in your life. This first movement of settling and shimmering is excellent. Then read your selected scripture passage once or twice through slowly and listen for a word or phrase that feels significant right now, capturing your attention even if you don't know why. Gently repeat this word to yourself in silence. So you might want to pick something from Psalms. That's often what people find really helpful. Maybe one of Paul's epistles is good too, or something from the prophets. Then the second movement is meditatio. Savoring and stirring, she says. Read the text again, and then allow the word or phrase which caught your attention in the first movement to spark your imagination. Savor the word or phrase with all your senses. Notice what smells, sounds, tastes, sights, and feelings are evoked. So I will say here, this is a full body experience, not just caught in your rational thinking mind, but spread throughout your whole body, which God has given us to enjoy and to worship and love God. Then listen for what images, feelings, and memories are stirring. Welcome them in, and then savoring and resting into this experience. Just allow yourself fully to enjoy your time of savoring and sinking deeply into what you're reading. The third movement is called oratio, summoning and serving. Read the text a third time, and then listen for an invitation rising up from your experience of prayer so far. Considering the word or phrase, what it has evoked for you in memory, image, or feeling, what is the invitation? This invitation may be a summons toward a new awareness or action. And this is really where we allow the scripture to really speak to us not to just go over our heads or glide through us into one ear and out the other, or to wash over us, but to really take root in us. I think of the four soils that Jesus talks about in his parable, and how at the end of that parable, I think to myself, I want to be the good soil where the seed can die and sprout and take root and not be choked out by the thorns or not wither when the sun comes up because it's in rocky soil or get taken away by the birds or trampled underfoot. If our hearts are the good soil, we ingest the word of God in the scriptures in devotional practice. We allow it to take root by listening carefully and meditating and allow that seed to go deep within the soil of our hearts. The oratio part is really where we allow that to take root, but we also pray about it and we talk to God about what is taking root. We ask God to do that work within us with the theme or the image or, or the thoughts or feelings that have been evoked from the scripture itself. That scripture is doing a good work in us through the Holy Spirit. It's a very active thing, but in, in the sense of how surgery is active, where we are passive, letting the surgery happen to us. 
And the final fourth movement perhaps is the most mysterious to the modern mind. Contemplatio, something we're not quite used to, which is a sort of resting. She terms contemplatio as slowing and stilling. And that's a beautiful way to imagine ourselves within this movement, this fourth movement of Lexio Divina. We slow ourselves and we still ourselves to be ready for God's work, God's abundant life within us. At the end of these four movements that involve reading scripture, reading it as though it is our prayer, letting ourselves meditate thoroughly on it in mind, body, and soul, through our senses, through our feelings, through our imagination. And then after ruminating and mulling it over and meditating on it, we are praying those thoughts, feelings, imaginations, and, and all our desires to be closer to God through Scripture, praying that back to God and inviting God to work in us and looking for the invitation God has for us through that Scripture. And then finally the fourth movement comes, and we think usually, okay, time to do something, right? Time to get going and move on and do something. Action. Actually, no. It's time to be still, slow down, and rest and abide in God. The fourth movement is a restful one. It's a time of peace. Christine writes, move into a time for simply resting in God and allowing your heart to fill with gratitude for God's presence in this time of prayer. Slow your thoughts and reflections even further and sink into the experience of stillness. Rest in the presence of God and allow yourself to simply be. Rest here for several minutes. Return to your breath if you find yourself distracted. What's beautiful about this devotional practice is it invites us to be ourselves. It invites us to rest in God. God doesn't love us any less when we rest. In fact, our rest is found in Him and begins and ends with God. Nothing we do makes God love us more. We are to just be found in God's love. In closing, Christine says, gently connect with your breath again and slowly bring your awareness back to the room where you are, moving from inter-experience to outer-experience. Give yourself some time of transition between these moments of contemplative depth to your everyday life. Consider taking a few minutes to journal about what you experienced in your prayer. And it's interesting, too, as you get into the habit of Lexia Divina, how you might experience some epiphanies or some impressive moments, maybe even mystical experiences, and you can jot those down. Other times, you won't notice any big difference. Some people find this spiritual practice, devotional practice, incredible because they've never prayed and read with scripture in these ways with these four movements, distinctively different than how they've prayed before, which might have been more intercessory prayer or petitioning prayers. And this is a very different way of praying. But as you keep track in the little journal, what has happened to you, you can read through those things later and see the faithfulness of God and see how your heart might be changing in response to God, in response to resting and abiding in the love of God. So to just very quickly review here, the practice of Lexia Divina, the first movement, 
Lexio is the reading, settling and shimmering. Second movement, meditatio, savoring and stirring, stirring within. The third movement, oratio, involves prayer, summoning and serving. The fourth movement, contemplatio, slowing and stilling. And when we have slowed down and stilled ourselves, we move from the, the inward work, concentrating on how we're doing within, where God is found, to where God is found outside, within the people around us, within the circumstances around us. And we find that God is active in all things. God isn't far away, on some cloud or in outer space, but God is working in all the situations of which we are a part. And slowly we are transformed by God's love and the scriptures because of the Holy Spirit working in us. As spring takes root here where I live, and the bulbs burst forth into flowers, and my garden takes shape with sprouts coming up, I want the love of God to take shape and sprout in my heart, and I hope that the same will be true for you. If you have any questions to ask me or comments you'd like to share, I would always love to hear them. You can email me at contact at sparkmymuse.com if you'd like to, or just reach out on Twitter at Lisa Delay or Facebook, facebook.com forward slash sparkmymuse. I'd be happy to connect with you or hear what's on your mind as spring happens for you or perhaps autumn if you're in the southern hemisphere. I wish you the very best, and I will be here next week with a new episode. Make sure to listen to some of the previous episodes if you missed them. There have been many good episodes recently, and there are many more wonderful episodes to come. Blessings to you. Thank you.